We're here with the Educator Spotlight for Engage today. This is Brian, and I'm speaking with Jason Verdict, a fantastic high school science teacher here in Florida. Uh, Jason, I was wondering if we could start off by talking about what are some strategies you use that you find your students are willing to become engaged with near the beginning of the school year? Um, I like to start with things that aren't going to feel like they aren't going to be graded, where there's not a large amount of stress on them. Um, so just organizing themselves by their gender or organizing themselves by their height. Um, things that you know, require you know, just a little bit of things they already know, but allows them to participate. Um, so in terms of like height, I'm wondering, do they bother to drag out like meter sticks at that point, or do they just go back to back? Or um, So that specific challenge is just you're not allowed to talk, organize yourself by your birthday, or organize yourself by your height. Height's, of course, a lot easier one to start with because mm-hmm. um, they can visibly see their height. Um, but when they have to come up with a code or a system to talk about their birthday or to talk about um, organize yourself by their favorite animal, and that's a great way to talk about graphing um, versus you know, bar graphs versus number line. Um, continuous data can be plotted on a number line, whereas a you know, bar graph requires categories. So you can't really organize yourself by you know, your favorite color as easily. Okay. You don't do it by wavelength? <laughs> Frequency. So in terms of uh, project-based learning, it seems like you, you tend to carve up your class into several units that are essentially what I would relate what the jargon is these days is PBL or project-based learning. What, what's an effective strategy you, you've seen in terms of layering these projects? Um, layering these projects. Uh, I guess the idea for me is to start, start small, start in projects that are simple and they can tackle easily um, where there's not too much fear for them. Um, so starting with like kind of a simplified egg drop experiment, but put a, a spot on the floor and have them drop a piece of paper and whoever can make it take the longest to hit the piece of paper. Um, and then you can build towards more complex ones like we're gonna do by the end of nine weeks where they're building um, a mousetrap car. They've gotta design the car and the axles and talk about friction, talk about forces. So just building up the complexity of the project in terms of demand, rigor. And are each of these projects uh, group oriented or do you have students that prefer to work by themselves? Um, I always try to make them group oriented. A lot of the, the workforce, of course, requires people to work together, even, even in groups you don't want to be in. Um, but there is, of course, always a few students that, that cannot work in a group, that aren't able to work in a group. Um, just too, too much anxiety to be with others. Um, and so those students I allow to work on themselves or modify the assignment in a way that where they're still designing something, um, but they don't have to you know, build the whole machine. Okay, you, you were mentioning in terms of a business type of setup and what employers or universities are asking for in terms of soft skills, uh, working in groups. I was wondering if there were other particular skills like communication and, and how you ad- attack or address or try to help students improve in that. Um, I mean, all I, can, all I really feel like I have the ability to do is to give them opportunity. Um, so that try to turn my class not into a lecture-based class, but allow them to teach parts of the class, allow them to work in groups allow them to debate and come up with a reason before they, they think pair share kind of idea. Um, where that they are kind of running the class, where they're invested in their, their own education, where they're picking what the inquiry method, where they're deciding, designing their experiment, um, where it's not like a top-down approach. Sounds like you have a, a lot of peer teaching going on there. Uh, I know with your robotics program and certainly with some physics activities, uh, how, do you, how have you found effective ways to get those teacher leaders um, willing to teach other students, um, whether it's tools or tasks or equipment? 
I have no pro I've never, never had any problems having students wanting to be the experts. Um, they usually come feeling like they are the experts. <laughs> my, my, my goal is to, to have them be that expert and then also have them willing to learn. Um, a lot of times they come off with, they want to go up there and explain everything, but they don't have all the pieces first. So my kind of goal is to, I just like to use Google Documents and have them share with me what they're going to be present first so that we one-on-one -on -one can go over those. Um, fix any misconceptions before they go to the whole class and kind of monologue or give their, their point of view on science. Okay. Uh, for s some of your classes, do you have repeat students? Not in a bad way, but mm -hmm. for students that take a sequence of classes with you? In the robotic curriculum, yes, we have a robotics one, two, and three. Um, so in the first year, we just work on different skills. The first year, they're mainly working on drafting, kind of CAD. Um, the second year, they're building more of the robots, getting more hands-on with the VEX competition. And in the third year, they're com completely off um, from that scope and have developed their own individual projects. Okay. Uh, in terms of building relationships, whether it's students and other students or whether it's between you and students, uh, for those sequence of courses where you have them a second or a third year, uh, have you come across any ways that seem to be effective or likewise ineffective, things that didn't work in terms of trying to build relationships with students? Um, hmm. The, the best thing with building relationships maybe is open communication, um, keeping that open all the time. I mean, I work sometimes at midnight. Um, this last few years, I really like Google Classroom because all the kids in the class kind of have an equal space to share and trying to get them to post ideas where I'm not sending out assignments, but having them upload ideas, having them um, have discussions on their own. Of course, there's all those problems of you know, having them stay on task and having them not post memes and other mm -hmm. things that aren't related to class. Um, so just trying to set up a appropriate classroom environment um, helps a lot. And then, yeah, giving them a space where they can share from wherever they are, from their phone, from um, not just inside a class. Okay. Uh, and, and I'm just curious more about this. Do you monitor this or perhaps the mm. parameters are just set up? Is there student-to-student -student interaction going this way or is it just between student and teacher on those on online or virtual methods? The Google Classroom allows for both. So you can have private conversations between students and then there's group discussion between students. It does not allow student-to-student -student direct communication. Okay. So everything that they post is, is available for me to see. Of course, they can do it on other methods or other ways. Um, but anything on, that I am monitoring um, comes to Google Classroom is, is always shared for everyone. Excellent, excellent. So we're moving into the Pick 6 interview section. Uh, Jason, we've got uh, six questions prepared for you. Are you ready for the first one? I'm ready. Okay, what profession other than teaching would you like to attempt? Um, some sort of political role where I can set the policies that guide our future. Excellent. What profession would you not like to attempt? School administrator. Hmm, I wonder why that is. We'll move on. Question number three, what do you do when you are super stressed? Weed the yard. <laughs> Question number four, briefly summarize the worst professional development you've been subjected to. Anytime they have us watching a reenactment of a situational video, usually bullying or sexual harassment, where two awkward people are put up against each other, and then we have to answer some sort of regurgitated question. Okay. How do you rejuvenate yourself during the summer? Um, work on the house, go play in the water, play with our family, um, go to science workshops, Corknet. Excellent. And last question, uh, can you relate one of your most recent teaching successes? Um, when students come back uh, and visit you or send an email and say, 
I took this class in college and it was easier than when the way you had it in high school. Or they come back and they say, I didn't, they let me clep out of this class because I passed some test and it wasn't needed. So just having my class prepare them for, for college feels good. I, I totally agree with that. That's usually the best thing that happens that day or a week. And I'm sure you get a lot of that feedback, Jason. Uh, thank you for joining us today on Engaged Educator Spotlight. And we look forward to talking to you in the future.